Good afternoon, everyone. I'm very energized and very glad to be here, and thank God for being chosen as an honoree. Uh, to tell everyone very briefly how dance theater started, uh, in 1966, the United States government asked me to go to Brazil to formulate the first national Brazilian ballet, and I went initially for eight weeks. It turned out so successfully, I started commuting back and forth for a two-year period. And on the last trip was the day that Dr. Martin Luther King was assassinated. And I sat in the plane, and I literally said, Mitchell, because I had these conversations with myself, he and I, and I said, why are you going to Brazil when there's so many problems here in America? And like everybody else, you know the problems, but very few of us will extend ourselves beyond our personal comfort to help somebody else. So put your money where your mouth is, do something. So I decided to go back to the community where I was born, which was Harlem. And everyone said, he's really flipped this time. Classical ballet, a European art form, young black children in Harlem. It's never going to work. Well, I started in a garage with two dancers and 30 children. I charged 50 cents a week, and any child could come in and study. Uh, the neighborhood street gang kids, they would come in, I said, come on in, fellas. They said, oh, no, 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 we can't wear those things. I said, what do you mean those things? They meant leotards. So I said, okay, you can wear cut-off shorts. And this is how I acquired more and more youngsters. We started the young men by taking classes, by playing drums. Then when we switched to piano, there was no more stigma that they were doing ballet. Inside of two months, there were 400 youngsters in the school. And that's when I said to myself, Arthur, this has to be. So I went to Mr. Balanchine, and I said, Mr. B, I really want to do this. He said, but Arthur, you know, you're at the peak of your career. I said, well, this is something I really want to do. And I then formed Dance Theater in conjunction with Mr. Balanchine and Mr. Kirstein in February of 1969. And we had no money. And what I tried to do was base everything on the best, because quality is something that you have to have in order to compete nationally and internationally. And so consequently, I used the basis of New York City Ballet. We got our first grant from the Ford Foundation on a matching basis. I never really set out to have a company. But when you get a grant, you have to match it with earned income and unearned income. So I had to have a company in order to earn income. Plus, I could not tell these young people who were studying at the school, you've got to be the best. You've got to aspire towards something when there was nothing to aspire towards. When I uh, joined New York City Ballet, there wasn't a single black dancer in a major ballet company in the United States of America. And Lincoln Kirstein, he said to me, he said, you know, Arthur, in order for you to get in the company, you've got to be better than everybody. I said, you're on. And that is the sort of thing that you need to tell young people, yes, these are the parameters, these are the problems, but you can overcome them. You can do it. And, well, that's how the company started. We made our debut at the Guggenheim Museum in 1971. From that now, the Guggenheim Museum has oh, multi-arts programs instituted in, in the museum itself, working along with the artists. We started lecture demonstrations, and that is our arts exposure program, which we do all over the world. This is to expose young people to the arts. Yes, we all want the financial things, we all want the material things. I said, but you know, there are moments when you sit by yourself, then you have to have something to feed your soul, and that's why you must have the arts and humanities in your life. That's what's going to make it all worthwhile. Because when we all look back in time, how do we tell what a civilization was like? How do we tell what a nation was like through its art and its culture? And we must pass this on to the young people. Dance Theater is now celebrating its 20th anniversary.
And it culminated with our first tour of the Soviet Union last May, June. And it was very exciting for me because I had danced there 25 years ago, and I was coming back and bringing my children. And it was incredible because here we were taking a black ballet company from Harlem to Russia, where you find the, the greatest seat of classical dance. And so it was really open yourselves up to your peers. Well, it was a success like you can't possibly imagine. But it brought the dancers to another level. And they are my children, they are my family. And I'm very proud of them because, again, it shows that regardless of race, class, creed, or color, it's the quality of what you do that's most important. And why we stay in Harlem? Because, again, I want to show if we can do this in Harlem, you can do this in Chicago, you can do this in Los Angeles, you can do it in any metropolitan area, but you must give the young people a quality. And this is why it's so exciting being here to talk to you, young people because you are the future and that is the excitement and we're all looking for the fountain of youth and you know where it's at with you and uh, I'm going to stop there and open the floor for questions because I can go on and on and on yes ma'am uh, my name is whoa <laughs> <laughs> my name is David Chander and I'm from New Jersey hi I wanted to know um, I believe that, you know, this dancing of yours comes from a passion. What does that passion do to you? How do you feel it? What does it do to your body, to your blood, to your mind? Well, the there's, a, there's a level that we all want to reach. And once you experience it, you always are searching for it all the time. And that's the excitement of being an artist. Or, and that is in anything that you do well to achieve to be the best. Once you penetrate that intangible thing, you want to recapture that moment each time. And it makes you feel alive because that's what living is all about, by doing and being. Do you like, get drunk on your passion or giddy on it? Or... Pardon me? Do you get drunk on your passion, giddy on your passion? Yes, it... I mean, if you want a good high, yes. <laughs> <laughs> really do and be. And this is the exciting thing, and this is, I feel, what we need to give to the young people today. Not through drugs, but through from themselves, the experience of doing and being and living. Thank you. The most important thing that's coupled with this is discipline, technique, and education. Then you really can free yourself. Yes, sir. Uh, you're, my name is Kevin Hicks from Haviland, Kansas. Uh, does your reputation of your school work for you in recruiting kids, or do you still have to actively recruit? Fortunately, no. I must say, with something like 60 Minutes has been fantastic. And also, with the acceptance of the company in Russia, it's opened many, many doors. This last national tour we just did, the demographics in terms of where we would go to a city, like Columbus, Ohio, where I'd say there would be maybe one, two percent of the audience was my minority audience. Now I see 25, 30 percent. But the thing that's exciting about dance theater is that, to put it succinctly, we are American classicists dancing in a neoclassical style. We've taken the French, the English, the Russian, the Italian, the Danish, amalgamated, and out of it's coming something that is totally ours. And that's the exciting thing about being here in this country, because that's what you can do. This is why we find people defecting here, because they say they want to develop as artists. These are the things that make us special. That versatility, that eclecticism, that's our strength, not our weakness. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes, my name is um, <laughs> Wendy Martin. I'm from Lebanon, Kentucky. The question I had is that so many people in the arts today, especially in dance, 
have one particular person that they consider their idol. As you said, there were no black performers in the ballet when you started out. So I was wondering, who was your inspiration? Well, everybody loves Fred Astaire. You can't find anybody more elegant, more charming, and a phenomenal dancer. And he was one of my role models. And I was very fortunate to work with quite a few geniuses, such as Mr. George Balanchine, Mr. Igor Stravinsky, Mr. Jerry Robbins. And what they taught me was that quality, Mitchell. Get your technique, your education. Always maintain the quality. But then again, what I'm trying to do, or what we're trying to do dance theater, we're very involved with the post-careers of the dancers. We have a dance committee where all the senior dancers are learning how to talk, to do fundraising, to do publicity, how to rehearse, how to choreograph, so that they can go out into the field and also become role models. Thank you. Yes. Hi, my name is Joy Jackson. I'm from Chico, California. And when you were younger, I'm sure you encountered many people who were of the opinion that you, being a black man, could not dance. And I was wondering what kind of resources you drawed upon to come up with the strength to overcome such adversity. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear the last part of the question because of the What sound. kind of resources did you draw upon for the strength to overcome such adversity? Well, at one time, Clive Bonds called me a controlled maniac. You have to have a maniacal belief in what it is that you want to do. And you must accept, not, I don't mean lonely, but the aloneness, that determination that what you believe in is the most important thing. And then it will happen. Never let anyone tell you you cannot do because of your skin, your color, your height, your size. Our prima ballerina here, Lorraine Grace, was told she couldn't dance because she was too tall. I said, you're not tall enough. And that's what you've got to have, that tenacity, that belief. The red lights are blinking. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs>